Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. It's significant. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going to spend eternity floating around up there someplace. There's going to be a new earth, this earth that we know, a place where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And that is the future God has planned for those who know Jesus Christ. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. We've been engrossed in a fascinating verse-by-verse study in the book of Revelation. So if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, no need to worry. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress pauses to get a big picture of where we've been and where we're going on God's prophetic timeline. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffers? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. My wife, Amy, and I have had the privilege to vacation in lots of wonderful places throughout the years, but nothing we've witnessed compares to the majestic beauty of Alaska. Truly, Alaska is one of God's masterpieces. You really need to see the great frontier of Alaska for yourself, and you have the opportunity to do so on the upcoming Pathway to Victory Cruise to Alaska. The dates are June 15th through 22nd, 2024. We'll be cruising the calmer waters of the Inside Passage along the stunning shoreline of British Columbia. You'll also enjoy the music of Rebecca St. James and Michael O'Brien and the comedy of comedian Dennis Swanberg. I'll also be teaching from God's Word. Now, it's not too soon to go online and reserve your spot and look at the itinerary by going to ptv.org. As you know, on Monday, we started a study in the book of Revelation. It's a teaching series I've called Final Conquest. And over the past year, I've been preparing for this moment by writing a brand new book for you. It's called Mysteries of the End Times, Five Little-Known Truths About God's Plan for the Future. No preacher, no Bible teacher can possibly know the finite details of God's mysterious plan. But the Bible contains far more detail than most Christians realize. And in my book, I bring clarity to five subjects that have become fuzzy for many Bible readers. Again, my book is called Mysteries of the End Times. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll be sure to describe more later in the program. But right now, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Revelation. I titled today's message, Bible Prophecy for Dummies. I want you to imagine for just a moment, you go to see your doctor. You go through some routine exams and tests. After they're completed, the doctor comes back with some news that neither he nor you expected. He said, tests reveal that you have a very rare disease and that you're going to be dead in three months. In fact, you could die any time between now and three months, but three months is the very longest you had left to live. Do you think that news would affect any of your other goals in any other area of your life? Do you think that news might cause you to rethink what you do with your money or how important your job was or what you needed to do with your family? what changes you needed to make in your relationship with God. 
I imagine it would. You know, the constant theme of the book of Revelation is this. The end of your life, as you know it right now, is coming soon. We are all coming to an end of life as we know it. That end is either going to come through our death or through the return of Jesus Christ. But soon and very soon, our life is about to undergo a big change. And the knowledge that our life is going to end should impact how we live our life right now. Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan pastor, made a list of resolutions. I don't think he did it on New Year's Day, but it was a list of resolutions he made when he was 19 years old, dozens of them that would guide how he lived. And one of his resolutions was this. Let me paraphrase it. He said, resolved to do nothing that I would not do if I knew it was the last day of my life. Resolved not to do anything today that I would not do if I knew it were the last day of my life. That's a wise way to live. The theme of the book of Revelation is very simple. Revelation says Jesus Christ is returning to earth to reward the righteous and to punish the unrighteous. And that knowledge that Jesus is coming again, that the end is in sight, ought to impact how we live every minute of our day and our lives. I've called the sermon today Bible Prophecy for Dummies. Now, I don't mean that as an insult. The fact is, you can be very smart and still get tangled up and confused by the end times. Many people, many Christians are. And so we're going to simplify the subject of Bible prophecy today by gaining a preview of what God's plan for the future is. Now, the last time I did this, I looked it up was seven years ago. And uh, I imagine you may not remember everything I said seven years ago. Some of you, this is going to be review. Some of you, this is going to be brand new material. But we're going to look at God's plan for the future. But before we do that, I want to answer a question perhaps you've had, and that is, why should we even study the subject of Bible prophecy? Let me share with you three reasons it's important for us to understand the end times. First of all, Bible prophecy is a major theme of the Bible. You know, one way to know what's important to God is to know what subjects are covered the most in his word, the Bible. And Bible prophecy is one of those major themes. For example, did you know that there are 1,800 references in the Bible to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? 1,800 references to the return of Christ. And here's what's fascinating. In the Old Testament, for every one prophecy about the first coming of the Messiah to Bethlehem, for every one verse in the Bible about the first coming of Jesus, there are eight about the second coming of Jesus. Clearly, the return of Jesus Christ is a major theme in the Bible, which is why we need to understand it. Secondly, an understanding of Bible prophecy helps us interpret and apply the Bible accurately. You really can't understand the Old Testament prophets you can't understand the parables and teachings of Jesus. You can't understand the epistles, even those parts that have nothing to do with the second coming. You can't understand those parts without understanding prophecy. 
Prophecy is the framework on which we hang the rest of the Bible. Let me give you two illustrations of that. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. First, the Old Testament, Isaiah 65, verse 20. This is a familiar verse, a promise for some people. It says, no longer will there be in the world an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100 and one who does not reach the age of 100 shall thought, be thought to be accursed. Isaiah is talking about a period of time when there will be no infant mortality. Infants don't die. And not only that, the average lifespan will be 100 years. If you don't live that long, you're thought to be cursed by God. Now, what period of time is Isaiah talking about? He obviously isn't talking about now. I mean, the fact is, with all of our advances in medical technology, babies still die, don't they? And not only that, very few people reach, it, reach the age of 100. It's an exception, not the rule. So he's not talking about now. Somebody says, well, he's talking about heaven. Really? Really? Are people going to plop over dead at the age of 100 in heaven? I thought there wasn't going to be any more death. Revelation 21.4 in heaven. It can't be talking about heaven. So if it's not talking about now and it's not talking about heaven, what period of time is Isaiah talking about? Well, as we'll see in a moment, he's talking about a unique period in history that is yet to come, the millennium. Jesus reigned on this earth for a thousand years before the new heaven and a new earth, when the curse of sin is partially but not totally removed. You can't understand that without knowing Bible prophecy. Or here's another example from the New Testament. I bet every one of you knows these words. It's the teaching of Jesus, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 35. Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? Verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of these, you did it to me. What in the world is Jesus talking about here in Matthew chapter 25? You can't understand it unless you understand Bible prophecy. If you read Matthew 24 and 25 together, we call it the Olivet Discourse. Jesus was teaching about the end times. Lord, what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he goes through the timeline of Bible prophecy. He talks about the Great Tribulation. And in this passage, he's referring specifically to those 144,000 Jewish witnesses we talked about last time who are saved and protected during the seven-year tribulation but even though they are protected by God, they suffer. They're in prison. They are denied food and drink. And Jesus is saying to that future age, how you treat these witnesses of mine is evidence of whether or not you are truly saved. When you feed them, when you clothe them, when you take them in, it is as if you are doing the same thing to me. To the extent you minister to them, the least of these, it is a sign of your love and following of me. Now, I bet 99% of you have never heard that before. 
But the fact is, you can't understand that passage and teaching of Jesus. You can't understand what the mission of the church is if you don't understand Bible prophecy and how this fits in the Bible prophecy. It's the key to interpreting and applying the Bible correctly. Thirdly, an understanding of Bible prophecy motivates us toward godly living. The reason God tells us so much about the end times is not to satisfy our curiosity. It is to increase our level of obedience to him. 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12, after Peter describes the destruction of this present heaven and earth, he says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Seeing that everything you see around you is coming to an end and will be destroyed, it ought to motivate you and me to live a godly life. Throughout the book of Revelation, you find this warning, blessed is he who hears and obeys the things in these prophecies. Bible prophecy, understanding it, should motivate us to obey God and motivate us toward godly living. That's why we study prophecy. Now, with that introduction, let's look here at the chart, my Bible prophecy chart that I've prepared that shows you how the book of Revelation fits into where we are and where we are going. The first element of Bible prophecy you need to understand is the age in which we're living right now that we commonly call the church age. Now here's the definition. The church age is that period of time from Pentecost, Acts chapter two, right after the resurrection of Christ from the dead, from Pentecost until the rapture, during which Gentiles are invited to participate in the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, what in the world does that mean? Let me just give you this illustration that might help you understand it. Imagine you have a 10-year-old son or grandson, and you want to help him celebrate this milestone birthday, so you go all out. You hire a clown to come, and you get a caterer, and you decorate the house, and you invite your immediate family members to come and uh, those who live in the same city to come and attend the party. Well, you get no response to the invitations you send out. So you begin calling and everyone you talk to has an excuse for why they can't come. And pretty soon you realize little Johnny's gonna be very disappointed because nobody's gonna be at his birthday party. So in a panic, you start sending out more invitations. You call extended family members. You call friends. You go to your next door neighbor. You drag people in off of the street. You want to be sure Johnny has a good party. You say, what does that have to do with the church age? Everything. That's exactly the illustration Jesus used in Matthew 22 to describe God's relationship to the Jews and Gentiles. He said, imagine a king has a banquet for his son. He invites people, but none of them responds to the invitations. Then he sends his servants out to go into the highways and byways to bring people in from the north, south, east, and west to make sure there's somebody there for the celebration. Jesus was saying, God issued an invitation originally to Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people, to be a part of his party, to be in a covenant relationship with him and enjoy the benefits But Israel temporarily rejected or neglected that invitation when they rejected Christ. Now, God's not finished with the Jewish people, but God is going to have a people. 
And so he's extended the invitation list beyond the Jews to include people like you and me, non-Jews, Gentiles, that we might be saved. And that's the period we're in right now when God has temporarily set aside Israel and he's invited everybody to come and be a part of his covenant blessing. Now make no mistake about it. God's not finished with Israel. There'll be a time when the church age ends and God finishes his plan for Israel. Paul talks about that in Romans 11, 1 and 25. He says, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 25, for I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. God's not finished with Israel. There's this damnable doctrine going around among Christians, replacement theology. God is finished with the Jews. He's replaced them with the church. No, God has not rejected Israel. They are just temporarily set aside until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. What does that mean? It means until every Gentile who has been elected to be saved is saved. Elected? Are you telling me God knows who's going to be saved? You bet he knows. God has determined who is going to be saved. And if you have a problem with that, you have to take that up with Paul or even God himself on that. That's above my pay grade to understand that. But one thing I do know from scripture, it is not our job to determine who the elect are. Our job is to preach the gospel to everybody, to preach it to everybody. And the elect will be saved. And they will be responsible for the choice that they make or they don't make. But that's what the fullness of the Gentiles is. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and then God will turn back to Israel to finish his dealings with Israel. What happens after the fullness of the Gentiles has come in? That leads to the next event in Bible prophecy, the rapture of the church. The end of the church age will be when the church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Let me give you the definition. The rapture is the snatching away to heaven of all Christians before the beginning of the great tribulation. The signal passage for that, as you know, is 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 14 through 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched away, harpazo, raptured, to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Remember, this is not the second coming of Jesus. That's seven years later. This is the rapture. Remember the four elements of the rapture. First of all, the descent of Christ. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. He descends into the air, not to the ground. He descends in the air, the descent of Christ. Secondly, the raising of the dead in Christ. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? It's every believer, every member of the church, every believer who has died since the time of Pentecost. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought when a Christian dies, he goes to heaven. He does. His spirit goes to heaven. The real part of you goes to heaven. 
2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Our spirit, the real us, goes to heaven, but our bodies are placed in the ground or they're incinerated in a crematorium or they're blown apart in an airplane accident. Our body, the residue of it, remains on earth while our spirits are in heaven. But our bodies aren't going to stay there forever. At the rapture of the church, the graves are going to be opened and the bodies of the saved are going to be raised. The third element of the rapture is we, whoever is alive and is a Christian at that time, shall be caught up together with the dead in Christ to meet the Lord in the air. There's going to be a generation of Christians who never experience death. They will just be immediately caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then there's a fourth element of the rapture, and that is the changing of our bodies from the mortal to the immortal. We are going to receive brand new bodies from God on that trip up to heaven. 1 Corinthians 5.15 says, for this mortal body must put on immortality. We have to have a change of clothes, if you will. If we're going to get into heaven, this body may be suited for this world. It's not suited for the next world. So whether we are Christians who get raptured or it's the bodies of the dead in Christ who are raised, 1 Corinthians 15 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. We're going to receive those brand new bodies free from the pain and the suffering and the sickness of this life. And it's going to happen quickly in the twinkling of an eye. That's not the blinking of an eye. Blinking of an eye takes a long time compared to the twinkling of an eye. You know what the twinkling of an eye is? It's the amount of time it takes light to go from the iris, the opening of your eye, to the retina. You can measure it in a fraction of a nanosecond. I mean, you can hardly even measure it at all. It's that quick that we're going to receive those brand new bodies. Therefore, Paul says, comfort one another with those words. That's the next event. It could happen at any moment. The rapture of the church. There are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled for the rapture. It could happen before we conclude that service today. The rapture will be followed by the tribulation. What is the tribulation? It is that seven-year period of time that begins... When the Antichrist signs a peace covenant with Israel, and it ends with Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is the final seven years of earth's history. And the end of the tribulation will be followed by the second coming of Christ. What is the second coming of Christ? It is the visible return of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom on the earth. Now listen to me. The great world battle war that is yet to be fought, we call Armageddon. That is going to be the scene of the final conflict that will usher in the second coming of Christ. It was today's message that inspired me to write a couple of new books for you. My message is titled, Bible Prophecy for Dummies. But under the advisement of my team at Pathway to Victory, I chose a more dignified title for the first resource. It's a booklet called The Major Characters of the End Times. And when you get in touch today, I'll be happy to send you a copy without any cost or obligation. All you have to do is go to ptv.org. In my new booklet, I've identified 15 different characters in Bible prophecy, such as the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth. I want you to be aware of their role in the last days. Plus, I'll explain why these 15 figures in God's future timeline make a difference in your life today. 
Additionally, I'm pleased to offer you the brand new book I've written called Mysteries of the End Times, Five Little-Known Truths About God's Plan for the Future. This is a deep dive on five specific issues that have confused Bible readers for generations. For example, in my book, we'll explore together the mystery of America in the end times and the mystery of the day of the Lord, just to name a few. Again, my book is called Mysteries of the End Times, and it's yours along with the booklet, The Major Characters of the End Times, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Thanks so much for your financial support right now. As you would imagine, the summertime is a challenging season for nonprofit ministries, but you're helping us win the battle and take on new territory for God's kingdom. Together, because you give, we're able to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. You're invited to request a copy of Mysteries of the End Times. That's the brand new book by Dr. Robert Jeffers. When you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory. Plus, we're going to send you the booklet called The Major Characters of the End Times. To request these resources, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, We'll also send you the complete CD and DVD teaching sets for this month's series on the book of Revelation. In addition, you'll receive a copy of the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress called Final Conquest. To request these resources, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You can also send your request by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you back Thursday when Dr. Jeffress concludes this message called Bible Prophecy for Dummies. That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.